Well, thank you, Joe. And having having been with you through this journey, it's just been a joy and delight for me to watch you grow and mature. And what we've continually talked about over the years is always keep you know moving toward what God has called you to do. Keep moving toward His will and His ways. And as you are transformed, your business will be transformed. So my compliments to you. By the way, just a, an incidental point here on that. As I've watched Joe, there have been times in the business where it's been extremely shaky. From a naturalistic perspective, um, you didn't know if it was going to go forward or not. Um, well, well, how would you feel if God decided to shut it down? Would you feel like that was a failure? The world would say it's a failure. You failed. But you know, no matter what happened, whether God shut it down or, or found you know a way to go through and navigate the tough waters, it was great success because Joe was growing. Joe was maturing. Joe was moving more and more toward the will and ways of God for, for his life. And recently they've had some great financial breakthroughs that have really helped the company get much more financially stable. Now, please note, the agenda is not to manipulate God to suit you and to get your financial well-being in order from your perspective. The agenda is always to move toward the will and ways of God. Joe mentioned the, the definition of abuse. Uh, this is a definition I give in some of my training. Abuse is using anyone outside of their calling. When you utilize anyone outside of their calling, you're abusing that person. And of course, that's a corollary of the reality of an intentional, purposeful God. When you think you need a person to do a job, if you've discerned the will of God, there will be the right person. There will be a person specifically prepared to do that. And so your job is to discern who that person is and then get them on board and then put the context in place for them to do what they're called to do in your organization. And that enables your organization then to prosper and go forward. So when you begin to see biblical worldview and how it works out in organizations, it transforms your thinking. You won't define things like, like the world does. You'll change your marketing, your advertising. It's going to change your agenda for what you go for. One of the things I tell all my clients is don't go for the money, go for the reputation. Don't go for the, you go for the money, then you're going to get bit. You go for the reputation. Scripture says reputation is more valuable than gold. If you really believe that, always trade money for reputation. Which means you'll do a great job. You'll deliver great service. You'll go the extra mile. You'll do whatever you have to do to produce great value for your customers, your clients. Well, I know we're, I, I got one minute left. Um, let me just make a couple of comments, if I may beg your indulgence here. I think one of the keys in transformation of me, and therefore the transformation of my business, has been uh, the fathers in my life. Personally, I, I don't think that anyone grows well without multiple fathers. And the reason for it, I think, is pretty clear, and that is human limitations. There's no perfect father. And so God uses these multiple fathers, you know, to touch our lives and to shape us. 
Well, my first father was my earthly father, uh, and from him I learned about business. I also learned about ethics. He was a very ethical man. I saw him deal with some tough situations. I remember, um, and I don't remember how I know this story, but I know it. Uh, I was very little when this happened. I was probably only two or three years old when this happened. But my dad had a business with a partner, and they ran into some difficult times, and he knew that uh, he needed to do a layoff. And so he and his partner decided, okay, who we're going to let go, and they, they split up the number of people. The partner was going to take half, and my dad took half. And the partner sat down and basically uh, said to the guys, uh, we don't need you anymore. Here's your last check. Get out of here. My dad sat down with the guys and said, look, um, I'm going to use the name Tommy. That was one of the guys' names. In fact, I later knew Tommy because dad hired him back. He said, Tommy, I'm sorry. We, you know, Business is slow, and we just don't have the reserves here to really to, to keep you on board, and we don't have the work for you to do right now. I know it's tough, but we have to do this, so I, I hope you'll forgive us, and uh, we'll be able to work together again soon. Uh, is there a difference in those two approaches? Yes. Well, from that, I mean, it's that kind of thing that I learned from my dad. My dad was, though he could be, he could be very firm and um, certainly demanding, he could be very kind and gracious to people. So he taught me business. He taught me business ethics. And he didn't, when I was growing up, he wasn't that spiritually in tune, but I knew that there was something in him that was drawn to the Lord. And later in life, he did become a Bible teacher and uh, he did, you know, become very influential in helping a lot of people. And he taught Bible not only in the church context, but in business. He taught Bible wherever he went. He just, he grew in loving the Bible. But that was after I was an adult. So anyway, while I was growing up, um, I met a young girl in high school that later would become my wife, and is still my wife. I call her my first wife. Of course, she's my only wife. And I remember I was uh, I was in high school, and I was hungry to grow and to learn, and um, I was attending the Baptist church, and I was starting to ask a lot of questions. Now, some of you that may know me, though I tend to ask a lot of questions anyway, I wasn't any different back then. Um, in fact, I got to the point where um, many times in classes when the teachers you know, opened up for questions, uh, they would not look at me. They'd look away from me. I'd be sitting over there and look over here. Anybody got a question? I go, look over there. <laughs> Well, that's kind of the way it was in Baptist Church. You know, they, my Sunday school teacher, my training union teacher, they, they didn't really want my questions. So I'd corner them afterwards, and I'd ask them questions. And they, they threw up their hands. I don't know. Well, anyway, I walk into Carol's home one day, the first time I ever walked into her home. And in the den, there's this massive bookcase, built-in bookcases. And I started looking at all these books. They're all about the Bible. Here's somebody that's got a library about the Bible. I've never seen a library about the Bible. So I began to ask her dad these questions about the Bible. And, and believe it or not, he had answers. He knew Scripture well enough to where he could provide these answers. So he began to teach me the Bible. I remember, uh, I think it was between my junior and senior years in, in high school, he actually taught me the book of Daniel. We met every week. And he took me through the book of Daniel. That was my first real Bible study with anybody. And 
So he became a real, you know, spiritual father relative to Scripture. And then through him, I met arguably one of the, the, the greatest theologians of the 20th century, S. Lewis Johnson. And S. Lewis Johnson became a spiritual father for me. I can't hardly talk about it because it's so deep. But he's the man that really taught me theology. He taught me biblical worldview. I'll never forget the first biblical worldview class we had. And, and we're talking about is man born a, ban- a blank slate. And uh, that got into a long discussion. And Dr. Johnson was always so patient and let us, the students, there was only about five or six students in the class, and let us go through our ignorance. And then he would bring scripture to us. And it was very profound. So I had a, the great privilege of studying uh, under him for about 15 years, um, including going through his whole series on systematic theology, which is 120 teachings. Um, it was an incredible study. But that layered in an understanding theologically of, of who God is and how he works that I, that I lean upon to this day. And the, the whole introduction of biblical worldview thinking. We studied men like Kuyper, uh, Van Til, uh, Schaefer, Gordon Clark, Clark Pinnock. Those names may or may not mean anything to you. Uh, during this time, I was actually um, exposed to you know, some of the Reconstructionists. Um, you know, Bonson, Gary North, and uh, you know those guys. And, and I, actually, I didn't know what to make of them. When I first started reading them, I was they confused me. But I, I remember, you know, subscribing and getting the the Chalcedon report and reading that, and wondering, you know, just thinking, well, this doesn't quite fit what I'm thinking here. But there was something there that was kept me drawn, kept me drawn to it. So I. I just, it was a great time back in the 70s and 80s when I was just getting so, such, so grounded. But there were, you know, as with any father, there are gaps. No father's got it all together. And God uses these fathers to come in and put pieces into your life that you need. And so in the mid-80s, God orchestrated a scenario where my paradigm of Christianity was no longer working. And, you know, he does things like that. And so when it wasn't working and we couldn't get answers from the stream of Christianity we were in, God sent another father, a father that came from a different stream, a father that I wasn't even seeking. He sends him in to begin to teach us about the Holy Spirit. And that was a whole new level of revelation. Uh, I thought I knew about the Holy Spirit, but mostly I knew about the Holy Spirit as a concept. And what this man began to do is introduce the Holy Spirit as a person, as a part of the Godhead, as someone that, that I could dwell with and lean upon and walk with and I could hear. And so that was a, that was a powerful time. And all of this, that was the fourth father, the third spiritual father, but all of this was set up for the next father that came along, and his name was Dennis. He shows up in 1990. I have no idea who he is or where he planet he comes from. And he comes in talking about this kingdom of God stuff. Now, I had been taught, I'd already had an exercise back some 20 years before that where I had read through the Gospels and I had seen all these references to kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God. And being a scientist, you know, when you notice things. So I began to ask questions. What is? What are these references? What meaneth this? And all I would get would be, well, it's referring to the millennial kingdom. 
And some way or another, that just never was very satisfying because I would read things like the kingdom of God is now. It's in you. I think there's something not quite right about this millennial interpretation. So I didn't know. I had no answers and no one around me to help me get answers. And by the way, that's what fathers do is they help you interpret life, help you understand reality. It's why we all need them. And so, uh, you know, Dennis's questions began to launch me on a search. And I spent about 10 years on a search trying to understand more about what the kingdom of God was and what, who the Holy Spirit was and what it was to really be a disciple and how do you make disciples and what is this holistic Christianity. You see, when I started the journey as a, as a young believer, I was a dualistic, mammon-worshipping Pharisee. And let me submit to you, you probably were too. And some of you may still be there. What God has done in me is transformed me from that to someone who is holistic, who is hopefully worshiping God more than worshiping money, and is hopefully more of a godly man than a Pharisee. That is my heart to get there. And I know it's a process, and I am certainly not perfect. I'm certainly not there, but I'm in the process of arriving and so when Dennis came, came along, he really kind of accelerated this whole process and layered in the things that the other fathers had not been able to layer in and answered the questions they had not been able to answer. So I want to just say that thank you, Dennis, for all that you've done for me and uh, being a father to me. And just to say to all of you, if you don't have spiritual fathers in your life, they're there for you. And you need to open yourself up to receive them. And just like children, and we all have to see ourselves as spiritual children on some level, but just like your earthly children, if most of you have had earthly children, you know that one of your key roles with your children is to help them understand life. If you leave children to themselves, they will not interpret life correctly. They will make bad choices. They will misunderstand, misconstrue, misperceive, draw wrong conclusions. That's what happens to us spiritually if we don't have godly men in our lives. It also means godly women. I'm using that generically here. So my testimony of how God is changing my business by changing me is one of the greatest ways he's done that is using these, these five fathers in my life to shape me into whatever it is that I am now, they are the ones that have helped me get there. So may God give all of us the grace to embrace these fathers and walk out the reality of what he's called us to do according to his will and his ways. In Jesus' name, amen.